Hello, hello, and welcome back to a brand new episode of SG Explained. Hello, everybody. Hello. <laughs> good, to, good to see you guys. All right, of course, it's your favorite trio back on the podcast, Rovik, Elliot, and myself, Charmian. And today, I would say we're doing a very fun, nostalgic episode. It's an episode that I've been wanting to do for some time now. And honestly, I think I was pretty inspired by the recent conversations that we've been having in previous episodes that brought up quite a lot of nostalgia and sentiment for traditions that we grew up with here in Singapore. I mean, we talked about ice cream that's uniquely Singaporean, the origins of our national beer. And that made me think, what are some other things we celebrate on our island that's meaningful to us. And coincidentally, at the time of this episode's release, it happens to be the mid-autumn season. I believe this year, the mid-autumn festival falls on 10th of September, where the moon is at its fullest and brightest. And thinking back, honestly, celebrating mid-autumn festival was a yearly highlight of my childhood. So today, I thought let's take this opportunity to reminisce a little bit, but also learn about the various ways Asians in the region observe and celebrate this uniquely Chinese occasion. So here in Singapore, Mid-Autumn Festival is informally observed, right? We celebrate it. I mean, I guess some families do celebrate it, but in China, it is an actual like public holiday, like a three-day affair. Here though, it's not a government holiday. So I'm interested to know, do you guys celebrate Mid-Autumn Festival and what are some traditions you do share with your friends and family during the season? I'm sure it's not surprising to anyone, but to me, Mid-Autumn Festival is literally just Mooncake Festival. (laughs) There's nothing else beyond the mooncake. So all I know is that in that season, people will start giving out mooncakes. Yes. And then as I became older, people started sharing mooncakes, not because they're generous, but because they want to share the calories. It's too much. Oh, (laughs) it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Whenever it's Mid-Autumn Festival... There's tons of mooncakes and then you have to start watching your diet a bit more. 100%. I, th- I think that's a big part of my yearly weight gain. It comes from the Mid-Autumn <laughs> Festival. Right? If I had to do like a pie chart of uh, <laughs> or a mooncake chart of like how many calories I gain a year, Mid-Autumn Festival probably accounts for like 20 plus to 30%. Chinese New Year is the other one, is it? Oh, Chinese New Year is like the 40%. It's like the biggest part <laughs> of the pie. Uh, and because I'm, you know, I have Muslim relatives, so Hari Raya is also another big part of that. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'm surprised that there's actually a public holiday in China, and now I demand one in Singapore as well. I think we could all use an extra holiday to go and like play with lanterns. I used to do that, you know, like the old school. Have you guys seen those old school lanterns that are just made of like cellophane paper? Yes. On the side oh or? my gosh, that was such a big part of my childhood. Like literally, I grew up holding and carrying cellophane lanterns around my neighborhood, and it was like the best time to bond with your neighbors, to meet other kids in the area. Interesting. Like, and also, like I don't know if you guys did this when you were young, but I used to like buy like packets of sparklers and just like stuff them into the soil. <laughs> I don't know if that's allowed, honestly. I don't know if that's legal, but I remember like lighting all of them up and forming like shapes and everything. It's so fun. Like, I don't know. Is it just me? Did you guys do those things as well as kids? I was not an arsonist as a child. <laughs> so I, I honestly cannot say that that was something. Cellophane lanterns are really bad for the environment because I remember, you know, sometimes the candle would tip over and burn the cellophane. And oh, yes. It would, it would create this... R- 
very toxic smell in the air. So I'm glad we moved to paper and, you know, electric lanterns instead. Like that's a, that's a modern day invention. Actually, I remember when I was in school during Mid-Autumn Festival or Mooncake Festival, it would actually teach us how to make these lanterns, right? Oh, yes! It, it would be very like, very simple one. I remember making a house and then I'd be very proud of it. As you should be. As you should be, Rovik. Like, legit, that's not easy. Yeah, all sorts of stuff like fish lanterns. Yeah, and... rabbit. The rabbit was most common, I believe. Oh, so cute. And coincidentally, the rabbit actually is a symbol that will pop up a little bit later on in this episode because we're going to talk about mythology surrounding the moon or mooncake festival or mid-autumn festival. So many, so many terms under etymology for this one festival that the Chinese celebrate. But yes, like I'm very excited to dig in to this episode. And with that, shall we take it away? You know, I've been calling it the Mooncake Festival, but the Mid-Autumn Festival also has another name, which is the Moon Festival. It is one of the most important holidays in Chinese culture. Its popularity is on par with that of the Lunar New Year. So the history of the Mid-Autumn Festival dates back over 3,000 years, held on the 15th day of the 8th month of the Chinese lunisolar calendar with a full moon at night corresponding to mid-September to early October of the Gregorian calendar. The moon being at its brightest and fullest during its time is a symbol that the Chinese use to represent a time of family and friendship union and also good harvest. And this maps to a lot of cultures around the world which actually have festivals around when the moon is the brightest or when it's the sun you know, at its peak position and stuff like that. A lot of cultures that have very strong, what we call agrarian roots, right, tend to have festivals associated with with the moon and the sun and water and all sorts of stuff. So this is definitely mapping to, you know, just global cultures and traditions. What is interesting is that during this festival, there are lanterns of all sizes and shapes that are carried and displayed. And these are symbolic beacons that light people's path to prosperity and good fortune. Mooncakes, which is another commonly associated cultural item. Well, they are rich pastry typically filled with sweet bean, egg yolk, or lotus seed paste, and they are traditionally eaten during this festival. Now, I know that we're going to talk a bit about different types of mooncakes later on, but I will say that I never understood mooncakes with egg yolk. Dude, I'm modern. I'm a modern Chinese guy. So <laughs> I only eat snow skin nowadays. All right. Don't give me any of the baked stuff. Uh, <laughs> give me the ones made from Raffles Hotel, okay? Like, that's all I go for these days. No shame in that. I'm a modern boy. Peace out. Okay, like that's... I love that. I mean, I guess like our parents' generation are very into the traditionally baked mooncakes, the one with like lotus seed paste and stuff. But like us... yolks and all that. Yeah, yeah. I know. But us being like privileged, (laughs) we've only really like enjoyed the snow skin ones. And it's interesting that you both brought that up because I thought today we should also share a short list of the unique mooncake flavors that are going around and might be more popular this year. Maybe some of you have tried them as well, but let's kind of talk about the kind of mooncake flavors that are trending at the moment and perhaps might inspire you to like gift a box or two to your boss. I was hoping that you were going to say like, oh, I brought a box of mooncakes for you boys and we're going to share them. Guys, since we started this podcast, I haven't actually met you both in person. So let's just let that sink in. We had a beer before the start of this podcast with me oh, on ever it. since the show yeah Liv, you and i have met yeah it's true that's yeah, true. so much for team bonding bitches what <laughs> <laughs> fact, i had covid i had covid when we were supposed to meet up so okay cool i think there are a lot of like adaptations around the world right like rovid you kind of alluded to that just now 
So maybe we'll look at it from an Asian-centric point of view. I know the one that uh, I'm most familiar with is actually uh, Tsukimi, which is actually in Japan. Or something to call it Utsukimi. Okay, that, that's something I've never heard of before, which kind of translates into like moon viewing. Sometimes it's also known as Jugoya, which kind of refers to the fifth month uh, and the, or the fifth night in that sense. That's a Japanese festival honoring the autumn moon, a variant of the mid-autumn festival. I think it comes around the same time as well, where people picnic, you know, they drink sake under the full moon to celebrate the harvest and they buy all sorts of like street food. The tradition includes displaying decorations made from Japanese pampas grass or, or susuki and eating rice dumplings called tsukimi dango in order to celebrate the beauty of the moon. So tsukimi dango is not actually very special dango. From what I understand, it's regular dango, but they try to make it as white as possible in order to reflect the paleness of the moon. Oh, yeah. it's basically mochi on a stick. Okay, we will never say that to any Japanese person <laughs> as long as we live. <laughs> That dango is just mochi, okay? It's kind of like it, right? If you go and Google dango, it very clearly says in the description, it is different from the method of making mochi, <laughs> which is made after steaming glutinous rice. Yes. Near Japan, I mean, if we look at Korea, they actually have chusyok, which is literally like the autumn eve as well. And that's a major harvest festival. And in fact, it's a three-day holiday in both North and South Korea. Actually, you know, that, that's a fact that I didn't even know that North Korea had public holidays. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do celebrate stuff too. It's celebrated on the 15th day of the 8th month of the Chinese lunisolar calendar on the full moon. So all the similarities are already there. As a celebration of the Good Harvest, Koreans visit their ancestral hometowns and they go there to honour their ancestors and like, you know, I think family ceremonies. They share a feast of uh, traditional Korean food such as songpyeong, which is similar to mochi in Japan, but I'm not saying it's the same thing. Yeah, it's similar. <laughs> or in this case, a good comparison would be like angku kueh in, in Singapore. Of course, just like the Japanese who have their sake, the Koreans like sipping on their rice wines and uh, they have fruits like Asian pear, which I personally big fan of. There are two major traditions related to Chongseok Charai, which is ancestor memorial services at home and Seongmyo, uh, family visit to the ancestral graves which is usually observed by tidying the grave. So I don't know whether this happens because I'm not super Chinese about it, but they call it Salmu, is it? like? I think they use like this harvest festival as a time uh, to clean the graves of their ancestors, which cool. is similar to like Singapore's Qingmingjie, when we Salmu, which is closer to our Lunar New Year time, actually. So it's a bit of a difference, but the same traditions are observed, which is actually very cool if you think about it. Another major customs, apparently, is prepare the family's ancestors their favorite meals as an offering. So you will see probably like KFC on mine uh, in the near future. So this is why you die early. If your favorite meal is KFC, bro. No offense yeah, to I KFC. Love KFC. But... I love KFC. <laughs> so I know two things about Al now. One is that he has his own funeral playlist and also that he wants KFC as his like meal. On the grave. It's not morbid, right? It's not morbid. I think it's perfectly fine to know what you want. It's quite dark. <laughs> and that's so that's all the way in Korea. And the last one I kind of want to touch on is actually in Vietnam. So the Mid-Autumn Festival is known as Tet Chung Tu. So I had to ask my wife about like how to pronounce it correctly. That's in Vietnam. It's commonly known uh, or referred to as the Children's Festival. I think that's so cute. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, you know, the people get the most joy out of this generally are children, I feel. Uh, the Vietnamese traditionally believe that children, being the most innocent, had the closest connection to the sacred, pure, and natural beauty of the world. Isn't Aww. that sweet? Yeah, that's so sweet. Uh, the celebration of the children's spirit was seen as a way to connect to the world 
uh, still this full of wonder, mystery, teachings of joy and sadness. So like everything kind of like just falls into place really nicely. Yeah. So in its most traditional form, the evening commemorates the dragon who brings rain for the crops, dude. Okay, I think that I think that imagery <laughs> is dope. Okay. L, do you know why I appointed you for this section? Because I feel you'd be the most excitable one when talking about these like variants or variations of the Mooncake Festival. Like 100%. I love hearing you get excited for things like that. But yes, carry on. 100% dude. So celebrants will observe the moon to divinate the future of the people and the harvest. Eventually, the celebration came to symbolize a reverence for fruitfulness with prayers given for bountiful harvests, increase in livestock, and even fertility. So for all the people who wanted to have like kids and whatnot. Over time, uh, the prayers for children evolved into like a celebration of children as what we know today. And historical Confucian scholars continued the tradition of actually gazing at the moon, but to, as always, sip wine and improvise poetry and song. I think that's just beautiful. This sounds like you, like, Elliot. It's my kind of lifestyle, dude. It's just <laughs> the Tuan Tian Ming Yue Kuang kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah but except I, that's the only Chinese poem I know. Okay, like, don't ask me anything else. By the early 20th century in Hanoi, uh, the festival has begun to assume its identity as the quintessential children's festival. So not a bad thing. Honestly, the evolution of it is still very cool. I'm sure a lot of traditional people are still celebrating it by sipping wine. Honestly, I think adults find any reason to sip wine. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's kind of like adulting is hot. Adulting is hot. Lovely knowing the fact that across Asia, we're all finding different variants and ways to celebrate it. But something about the moon and not to be too scientific about this, but there's a certain gravitational pull toward the moon uh, in celebrating itself. Yeah, and I think it reminds us all that, you know, as human beings, we're all storytellers by nature, right? And we love forming meaning to things. We love like the idea of connection in any way possible. So For just sure. like, you know, researching on all of these like meanings that different people in different parts of the world give to the moon and to the festival alone, like it's just so... It's just so nice to see the human spirit in action that goes back like years and years before. And speaking of that, comes to my favorite part of today's episode, moon mythology. You know it. You know I had to be the one to take this portion. (laughs) I'm interested to know. I know Rover, you said you don't really celebrate Mooncake Festival. I didn't say that. I said the only way I celebrate. The only way I celebrate. (laughs) The only way I celebrate is eating these darn mooncakes, dude. And you know nothing else about that. Have you heard of like the stories that surround the legend behind Mid-Autumn Festival? I want to hear it, but I will say I've watched a recent movie on Netflix. Oh. A while ago, this lady who flew to the moon or something like that. Oh, wow. I did not know that we had that on Netflix. What's it called? Over the Moon. That's cute. Okay, I'm going to watch that. It's interesting that you say that because I think among the Chinese, nobody really has a story straight on like the story of the moon and why it's uh, so important as a symbol, right? In uh, the Mid-Autumn Festival. And Al, I don't know if you've heard like different variations of this story, but it involves like a moon goddess and some say it involves a rabbit. So today we're going to clear up all the stories, okay? 
And for those of you who are listening and you've always like been a bit confused as to which story is like fact or fiction, it doesn't really matter. It's just nice to talk about these stories and maybe you can use this as like the table side conversations that you will have when you do celebrate Mid Autumn Festival with your family and friends. So story number one, okay, is a story of Chang'e and Ho Yi. Now, whether or not you celebrate Mid Autumn Festival, you might have heard this love story between two people. And as the legend goes, there was once a very beautiful maiden called Chang'e. And her husband, Ho Yi, was a brilliant archer. Now, at that time, there were said to be 10 suns in the sky, good God. And the people on earth were living in blistering heat. So to save the people, Ho Yi used his bow and arrow to shoot down nine of these 10 suns. And he was then crowned as the people's hero and received an elixir for immortality. However, the elixir was enough for only one person and Chang'e and Hoi did not want to leave each other, so they kept the elixir. One day, one of Hoi's students tried to steal the elixir when he wasn't home. And in order to protect the elixir from the thieves, Chang'e took the magic elixir of immortality. She had to fly to the moon and leave her husband behind. So Hoi obviously missed his wife so much that he started to worship the moon and tried to find the shape of Chang'e on the moon on the day when the moon was brightest and fullest. And this act of worshipping the moon started out as a way to remember Chang'e's sacrifice, but later on became a mass tradition where people did gather on this night to observe the moon at its fullest and as a game, tried to find Chang'e as well. And it's interesting because due to this legend, the mid-autumn season has traditionally been a choice occasion to celebrate marriages in some parts of the world. Uh, apparently, girls would pray to the moon deity Chang'e to help fulfill their romantic wishes. And in some parts of China, dances are held for young men and women to find partners. For example, young women are encouraged to throw their handkerchiefs to the crowd. And the young men have to catch and return the handkerchief as a chance at romance. Just for a chance. It's like, oh, I pick it up. Like, oof. You know, it's like a meet cute, but like mid-autumn festival style. <laughs> what, if, what if you don't like the guy who picks it up? You just take it back. That's what I would do. I'd be like, bro, bro, can okay, keep the handkerchief. <laughs> it's not mine, not mine, not mine. Sorry, wrong, wrong person, wrong person. I'm also reading here that there's another version of this story. And this involves a rabbit's sacrifice. Now, it was said that the emperor of heaven wanted to test the virtue of animals. So he came down to earth and disguised himself as an old man begging for food. He met three animals, a fox, a monkey, and a rabbit. And the emperor convinced the animals to bring him food, having told them that he had come a long way to ask them for help. The fox caught a fish in the river. The monkey got fruit in the forest. But the rabbit came back with nothing. Guilty, the rabbit offered itself to the emperor. The emperor, moved by the rabbit's sincerity and sacrifice, sent him to the moon palace to live a life of immortality by accompanying the moon goddess. And that's where the story sort of coincides with Chang'e. It's exactly what you were saying, Mian, that actually there are so many different versions of the story. And each one actually has its own sort of unique value, I would say. I empathize with the rabbit a lot because... I'm, I too am useless and cannot find food. So usually I just offer myself. Uh, it's like, hey, okay lah, bopian, I guess it's me. <laughs> really cool stories. And actually, when you said Over the Moon just now, Rovik, I it kind of like clicked in my head. I remember watching it. It was about this girl who also wanted to like go and find like Chang'e in the sky and stuff. And she has a pet rabbit, all that cute stuff. So really good movie. Over the Moon has sort of a twist 
in the middle of the movie where yes, it's it, quite modern. And it's super sassy. That's what I can say. Really? I think it's so cute that the two of you are watching like rom-coms and telling it's me about it. It's not a rom-com. It's an animation. No shame in watching rom-coms either, okay? Just saying that like, even though I protested vehemently, it doesn't mean I'm against rom-coms. I'm all for rom-coms. But yes, I'm really enjoying these, you know, folklore that we're sharing at the moment. And with that, we're going for a short little break. And when we come back, stand by guys, because it's time for a pop 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 quiz. Some of the stories shared during the Mid-Autumn Festival can feel dreamlike, but you don't have to let your ambitions to start your own venture be a dream. Tune into the premiere of Rise and Rice, an Asian entrepreneurship podcast where you can hear from startup founders on how they got going and overcame their business problems. From 1UP Media, an award-winning podcast production house, Rise and Rise gives you a peek into the latest strategies and tools that entrepreneurs in the regions are using to build businesses worth over seven digits in value. Every Monday, be introduced to a founder who will share actionable strategies and tactics on how they solve a defined business problem. Are you already hooked? Tune into episode one where Magdalene Chan for her velvet bars shares how she started her Singapore-based fashion e-commerce label and expanded it to Malaysia, Cambodia, the US, and Australia. Her velvet bars launches a new collection each week with four to five clothing designs in different colors and styles. How did Magdalene move forward when her factory sent her the wrong designs? Or when COVID disrupted her supply chains? Find out in the first episode out on Spotify. Search for Rise and Rise on your preferred podcast platform now or click the link in our description. We're foreshadowing what today's pop quiz question will be because it is exactly what we talked about at the beginning. How many calories are there in one mooncake? Now, in today's uh, climate, mooncake climate, right? There's so many different types of mooncakes. So before I ask the question or before you guys start giving me your answers, I'm going to specify what mooncake this is, okay? This mooncake is a traditional mooncake with four salted egg yolks. How many calories are there in just one of these? Four salted egg yolks? Yo, this is like some <laughs> intense... Usually I hear like double yolk or something. Four? This is the kind of mooncake that my dad eats, man. I'm going to guess 1,002. I'm going to guess 1,002. It sounds like your cholesterol will shoot up after you have one. For Americans who are listening, 1,200 calories. So I know, as sort of like a relative benchmark, I've always known that a Big Mac is around 550 calories. Mm-hmm, That's how the mark you can go for right and so if anything is more calories than a big mac then it's very dangerous <laughs> so i would say that a mooncake is probably around 500 calories with four salted egg yolks Rovic. okay for the four salted egg yolks i'll add some calories so i'll bring it up to 700 so Rovic says 700 and else says 1002 all right guys this is the answer if a traditional mooncake has four salted egg yolks you're looking at 975 calories yo (laughs) okay let's break it down if the mooncake only has like two salted egg yolks that's like 890 calories 
if it only has one, it's about 790. And if it's just a mooncake without any egg yolks, it's about 716 calories. No, that doesn't make sense. It means Lotus Paste itself is more than a Big Mac, dude. It means I still should we eat a Big Mac. We should just eat Big Macs, dude. Let's eat Big Macs, guys. <laughs> okay, pop pop quiz, bonus question, since you both like snow skin mooncakes. <laughs> Since you both like snow skin mooncakes, how many calories do you think there are in one snow skin mooncake? I remember snow skin mooncakes are more calories than a traditional <laughs> mooncake. And this one, snow skin mooncake normally doesn't have egg yolk, right? It doesn't have. Maybe it balances out. And so I would say 700 again. You know, nowadays, right? Some of the snow skin mooncakes I like, they tend to have like, what? Like, van- like white chocolate truffle or in the center instead of the egg yolk. They're very decadent. I'm gonna guess 1,002 again. Like, just to be... Okay, you both, to... are you even trying? You say so much, but you come back to the same answer. Because the first answer was wrong. So the second is probably correct. If you do multiple choice questions in school, right? If you put A for everything, one of them is gonna be A, bro. <laughs> okay, fair argument. Now, snow skin mooncakes are only traditionally about 186 calories. 186. Oh. So snow skin is better. That being said, snow skin mooncakes usually weigh one third of a traditionally baked mooncake and are so misleadingly small, we all tend to eat a few, right? So if you eat three of these, that's about the same calories as like two cheeseburgers. Will you eat more than one knowing that it's got lesser calories as compared to like a full traditionally baked mooncake? I am eating a quarter of a snow skin mooncake. Oh, please. Let's be real. No one eats a quarter of a snow skin mooncake. I can finish one myself. No, I'll eat a quarter, then I'll wait for the next meal, then I'll eat another quarter of no, another fair, flavor. I always thought that one snow skin mooncake was a lot. Are you telling me that it is just the traditional mooncake that I need to avoid? Because I am already avoiding that traditional mooncake. <laughs> wow, but that's actually really heartening to know. That means I have an excuse to eat more snow skin mooncakes in time to come. I'm, I'm supposing this is quite varied, right? A lot of different manufacturers of snow skin mooncakes, I'm assuming, go through different like processes, amount, different amounts of sugar, how decadent it is. Like the one that I like, and we're going to go down to a list of um of mooncake providers later on. One of them that I like has a, it's called a champagne truffle. Does it not sound crazy already? What's crazy to me is that there are mooncakes out there with like edible gold because you can't taste shit out of that gold. Like I'm just like, am I paying for that when I don't get flavor out of it? So to me, it's like bordering on a bit of like ridicule. I mean, I enjoy looking at it and it's beautiful, right? To give to people and I love the taste. But at the end of the day, like... I think we can save some money on the edible gold. That's that's my personal opinion. All right. So we're going to talk a little bit about the traditional mooncakes versus, you know, the novelty mooncakes uh, before we actually go down the list. The most commonly known mooncake is, you know, the Cantonese style mooncake that we've been talking about, characterized by its golden and glossy, thin and soft crust with those delicate patterns. I think that's one of the artistries of mooncake, actually. It's the way that they can, you know, make shapes from the baking itself. I think that's really cool. You know, the traditional baked ones, the brown ones, the common filling tends to be like lotus paste, which is basically a sweet paste made from lotus seeds and salted duck egg yolks. I didn't even know it was salted duck egg yolks. I just thought it was just egg yolks from like chickens or something. That's that's the traditional ones. Snowskin mooncakes, on the other hand, 
they aren't even baked at all. In fact, when they originated from Hong Kong, I think what they did was that they used two types of rice flour, uh, the regular ones and the glutinous ones, or like sweet rice flour in this case. And of course, they will mix it in with wheat starch. Uh, they have a slightly gooey, chewy texture. If you guys have not had snow skin mooncakes, you guys are missing out on one of the pure joys of life. Uh, so please go out and, and try one this season. And due to the cold nature of snow skin, so you normally refrigerate them or take them out from the freezer before consuming it, they allow for like a greater variety of flavor offerings, such as assorted ice cream. There's durian flavored ones. A personal, yeah, big, big yum yum for me. Sometimes they are like, sometimes they're even filled with like chocolate, coffee fillings, and even cheese, like pure cheese. We're talking about like camembert. Have you guys had like savory snow skin mooncakes? To me, it's just the strangest thing because snow skin is like, it feels like a dessert mooncake. It's like ice cream mm-hmm. cake, right? But then paired with like savory stuff like uh, cheese just feels a bit weird for me. Oh, I would love to have a nasi lemak like snow skin, bro. <laughs> like sounds dope. So the egg is actually in the center, then some ikan bilis. Okay, just to veer off the topic a little bit, but... Four Fingers, the brand that does uh, chicken wings, they have a breakfast item. It's a pandan burrito nasi lemak thingy magic. It sounds weird, right? But it sounds like a lot. A it's just a burrito, but it's that nasi lemak inside, dude. All makes sense. And you're just folding the rice into... I think nasi lemak snow skin could be the next big thing. Don't add me. Someone on MasterChef, get on it right now. And if you make big bucks, I expect royalties, okay? Like, this is this is my challenge to you guys. Now, I would say gifting mooncakes is like a big tradition in Singapore, whether you're corporate or whether it's between family members, uh, between friends and family, but also like a, you know, the kind of sentiment where we send these colorful, vibrant packagings. Everyone's trying to outdo each other. Yeah. It's, it's like the Chinese Christmas, you know, like everyone has different boxes. And, and just it gets like pretty competitive, other. you know? Have you seen insurance companies send mooncakes? Like... Every year, the packaging gets bigger and grander. You start like using these packagings as like what jewelry boxes. Like that's how insane they are. And you, so you're paying a lot of it, you know, just for the experience. I would say it's now become a bit more decorative, a bit more symbolic, which is not a bad thing uh, for a festival that I hope we can keep around for uh, a long period of time. We're gonna go through a list of some of the unique mooncake offerings to try this mid autumn festival. Not exhaustive. I think, Mian, whatever you've placed down here probably is very good taste because you are a person of good taste. Oh, so thank you. Let's, let's go down the list. For the decadent, we have uh, Fullerton Hotel. I, and they do this every single year. I don't think they change the offerings that much. So it should still be there. Go order it now. Uh, Fullerton Hotel, Singapore's Mooncake Collection. This year is offered with reduced sugar. Wow. Woo! I mean, but not, not much. Like 180 calories, reduced sugar. So like, I don't... I'd rather take the full sugar amount. <laughs> uh, notable flavors include the Osmentus with wolfberry snow skin. I think that's that's something I've had before and it's really, really good. And the Rose Bandung snow skin that strikes a luscious balance of floral and earthy notes. Um, they have two new baked flavors this year, which include the chestnut with pistachio baked mooncake. Okay, cool. Not a pistachio guy, but by all means. And black sesame with Hokkaido milk ginger. This is the one that I'm eyeing on, to be honest. Like, it's a big mooncake. Yeah, it's not a snow skin version, but if I had to try like a traditional mooncake, I think this is such a nice flavor 
to inculcate with the traditional lotus seed paste mooncake. This is the one that's more than a Big Mac, for sure. <laughs> and this one has black sesame with Hokkaido milk ginger. How can it not be even more than 900, dude? Like, it's two Big Macs, bro. Last time you asked me for two potong ice cream. Now, <laughs> I take it all back. I take it all back. If you want to hear about his potong ice cream story, check out potong ice cream. Also. So the box of the Fullerton is actually pretty cool. I think it's a great corporate gift or even a gift for maybe you're chasing a special someone. This would be a nice gift. Or the gift. in-laws, yeah. Getting their good books with like regal packaging. I don't know about that. Lah. I'm I'm pretty stingy when it comes to my in-laws. <laughs> okay, so the box. Fullerton Hotel's mooncakes will come in different types of boxes. The signature mooncake collection is presented in this long red uh, or sometimes it's a turquoise box filled with the imagery of flowers and peacocks. I think very performative, you know peacock alternatively customers can also opt for the sustainable premium box or Clifford Pierce Tinkat for the baked mooncakes I think that's so cool it has the it's trying to go very Singaporean very local with the Tinkat imagery here yeah dope. and you can save it for like lunch like packing your lunch next time very traditional uh, very vintage so definitely something to look out for if you're into you know big packaging that makes a statement Definitely. Um, there is an adventurous option for you guys from the Curler Bakery. Uh, notable Bakery Curler has a number of unique flavors that especially appeal to fruit lovers, including the coveted, and uh, this is not my words, okay? This is Mian's words. Hey. The coveted avocado snow skin mooncake. I knew that's you were going to bring me into this. That's some millennial <laughs> boomer valley girl thing that I will never understand. Avocado everything. What's inside, okay? The filling is made out of mashed avocados plus a good portion of macadamia nuts for that added crunch. Does it not sound like every brunch menu item? <laughs> Actually, in all honesty, <coughs> I kind of want this mooncake. Oh my <laughs> You yeah. both? I think it will taste like, it will taste like avocado milkshake, but in cake form. Oh my gosh. BH scale. You're all basic, okay? <laughs> but color has a 3.8 rating on Google, so I'm not sure. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oopsies. Uh, for people like me who aren't in the whole avocado thing, uh, they also have a couple of tropical fruit flavored snow skin mooncakes such as the mango and pink guava ume snow skin that one sounds very appealing to someone like me uh, for those who like to have a bit of alcohol uh, single ladies raise your hands uh, in this mid-autumn delight the passion fruit cognac snow skin and the raspberry whiskey snow skin are Ooh. supposedly a must try i think i would definitely give it a chance uh coming this season I'm I'm pretty much a sucker for things that say mango and pink guava in general because they're very exotic flavors, very Asian flavors as well. And last but not least, we have one for the durian lovers. This one was from Duria Pandora, helmed from the motherland of Mao Shangwang. Duria is based in Malaysia and has been ranked first for an impressive seven years. They are known for their limited edition bamboo charcoal snowy skin mooncake, which if you go and find the photos, dude, that thing looks lit. Looks very, very premium. It looks very excessive as well, but we are here for durian mooncake. And they have one more, which also looks very sexy. It's the crystal skin Musang King mooncake. So there's like a transparent layer so you can kind of see what's on the inside of this mooncake. Uh, very cool. Uh, each box only contains three of each mooncake with the latter consisting of a dollop of bird's nest and Mao Shang Wang filling. So the crystal skin Musang King actually... Seems really rich. And it's also for the rich. 
<laughs> what did I say about being excessive, man? I really want to try this though. I've never had like bird's nest in a mooncake. They don't ship to your doorstep, unfortunately, but you can get your share of the Duria Pandora mooncakes uh, from Shopee or Lux Beauty. It's Lux Beauty. It looks, uh, it Lux. says L-U-X, looks beauty. <laughs> uh, of course, if you are from Malaysia, you're planning to head over. I think this is a perfect opportunity. You can go out there, buy them, buy them back and freeze for long term. It's not a bad idea. Uh, and then share them with your friends. After all, that's what the season is about, right? Buying and sharing, eating something very handcrafted and then gazing at the moon together. I think that's going to be such a sweet and a romantic time together. I think when I was a kid, like a lot of what I did during the Mid-Autumn Festival was the whole like lantern carrying thing. And like it was, it was very like children centric and it was a lot of fun, right? But I think growing up, um, even though I don't carry lanterns anymore, um, the tradition of the union of like being with friends and family still stays. And I think that's what counts the most. It's just, you find every reason to connect with your loved ones over whatever, you know, whether it's mooncakes or cookies or whatever. I think that's just the spirit of like Mid-Autumn Festival, which is to get together with the people you love. Oh, I want to experience all of this with you guys. Well, you know, we have enough time between now and the Mid-Autumn Festival this year. Before the episode comes <laughs> out, we actually get to do that, right? Yeah, so, so, you know, if you guys feel so obliged to invite me if you haven't thought about inviting your your occasional non-chinese friend to come celebrate mid autumn festival with you you know maybe that's the time so hey, we hear the message loud and clear Roving, like, <laughs> and you know you can you can bring some avocado snow skin moon cakes <laughs> i don't hear you on that one though like i and me got you cover that i'm down i'm down if we're gonna have like mao shan wang moon cakes like wow that's it for me like i'll be there even if you don't want me there, I'm there. <laughs> then, uh, then, Elliot, you can ask your wife to celebrate Tung Tu. Yes! <laughs> can well. celebrate children's, the children's <laughs> festival, for sure. <laughs> Alright, so with that, I think we've come to the end of this episode. It was a great journey, both mythological as well as through the taste buds uh, for this Mid-Autumn Festival episode. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. And Thank we'll you see you in the next one. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Happy Mooncake Festival.